This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Non and Ever podcast. My name is Jamie Smith and I'm joined by Natalie, James and Kevin this week to talk about the 0-0 draw at Sunderland. Not much of a game to talk about, so probably quite a short podcast. I'm sure lots of you will be pleased to hear about that. Um, Natalie's still in the hat, but not much of a match really, despite fairly strong teams being named by both managers. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you can accuse either club of not taking the competition seriously. I think both sides made sensible changes um, in order to rotate their squad and to give some other players a chance. But neither fielded a particularly weak side. And I was quite surprised, really, to see such a difference in the quality of the game between the the league game um, the week before and this cup tie. Um, It wasn't the result that we wanted. Um, I don't think any of us really wanted an extra game in there. Um, But saying that, I I said last week I really wanted a a cup run. And if you offered me the option of a draw or um, a loss, I would have taken a draw. I would have preferred to have won, obviously, and got it done. Um, But I'm delighted to still be in the hat for the fourth round. And I I can really see Burnley, if we can get past Sunderland, I really think we're going to have a good chance of having a deep run this year. Well, I think um, we talked on the podcast last week about a draw being far from ideal, but in the context of the fourth round draw, Burnley drawn against Bristol City or Fleetwood Town at home, if we get past Sunderland, Kevin, it starts to look like it, it might open up a little bit for us. It does, yeah, and I think you know Sean Dyche talked uh, was talking before the game he, when he said that you know from a, a few purely like business and financial point of view, yeah, the the cup isn't that important. Uh, of you know the Premier League is so much more uh, more important in that in that respect, um, but you know the couple always have that that kind of sentimental uh, value, but also that I think I think it can really you know the purpose of a football club essentially is to is to be as successful as possible. Um, you know, is to entertain the fans and entertaining the fans by by being successful at the end of the day and. I, 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 you know, I want to see clubs taking taking um, taking things like this a bit more seriously. You know, you look, you look at, and you want to go as far as possible. You look at likes of 
um, you know, you see with so many Premier League teams who have got not really that much to play for, really. You know, the likes of, you know, kind of Bournemouth, who are probably not going to get dragged into relegation. They're not going to be fighting up at the top of the league. But yeah, they're changing all their, all their, all their team uh, and getting knocked out. Surely, you know, the, the Cup is should be an ideal you know, competition for a team like Bournemouth and who should be going looking to, to go on and, and, and win it and get some silverware. Surely that's what you want to see as a as a fan. Surely that's what you want to achieve as, as footballers. And hopefully, you know, it'd be good, great to see us at Burnley do the same again. You know, we've been spoiled quite a lot in the, in the last few seasons with, with great success. But, you know, you could say, you know, it's, we're Burnley, you know, we're battling down the bottom. We're not, you know, one of the, one of the lesser quality teams in the Premier League, should we say. But, and you might say, you know, what's the point in winning two or three games and then getting knocked out in the quarterfinals or whatever? But you know, we've we've defied the odds quite often. Who says we can't go uh, as far as possible in the, in the in the cup? Let's get, you know, you can go to Wembley and have a great day at Wembley, um, even go on and win it. You know, you might say I'm dreaming, but you know, we, we're a Premier League team. We've got that quality. We've shown we've got quality against Premier League. We have some great wins in the Premier League this season, and you know, why not? I think, I, I think, yeah. I, I'm, it's it's good to see you know we made a few changes, but and hopefully you know we, we can continue to take it you know semi serious you know there's always going to be some rotation in, in the cup, uh, but hopefully we can still give it some respect. Certainly a lot more than Bournemouth gave it, uh, and get as far as we can. That's what you, surely that's what you want to see. Yeah, I mean Wigan won the cup not that long ago. Obviously, uh, or really in the same season, we probably don't want to do that. <laughs> but there's no reason why a cup. Got- like Burnley can't go a long way in the competition. Uh, James, the game itself, light on chances really, I suspect some of them were determined not to get turned over like they were at the turf. Uh, Burnley probably just about edged it though. Yeah, it's a particularly second half, we looked uh, you know, the far better team, I thought we ended the game you know, pretty strongly and, and really the, we had chances there to to finish it and we, we probably should have come away with sort of a 1-0 win on the day but um Obviously, it goes to replay now, which is really disappointing because I don't think anyone wants the, you know, the extra games. Um, you know, we're in a strong position so far this season, but all it take is for the the fixtures to start getting congested and a few injuries get picked up, and we could find ourselves sort of moving backwards through the table. Well, you mentioned injuries though. That was one of the things that, that came out of the game at the stadium. Like, of course, Scott Arfield and Johan Goodmanson both picking up uh, hamstring injuries. I think they were both hamstring injuries. And that's the the danger of naming quite a strong team, isn't it? That uh, arguably the first two, the first choice wingers, both picked up injuries and might be out for a few weeks now. So you could argue that it should have been a, a more more rotated team. Yeah, I think it puts even more emphasis, obviously, on the uh, you know the January transfer window now because I think all coming in, we all thought that winger was probably an area where we'd want a few more reinforcements, you know, so that maybe Arfield could be more of a backup player rather than you know, a regular starter. And now that's even more pressing because our field's not available potentially to be a starter. Um, and I think, you know, the problem with the FA Cup these days is that it has sort of lost its its magic because um, putting your efforts into that can be so detrimental to you in the league. I mean, obviously you touched on Wigan winning it and getting relegated in the same season. Obviously, it's only a couple of seasons ago, Villa managed to make it to the final. Um and, you know, they've not been a, a good performing side for, for some time. Uh, you know, you look at Portsmouth, who spent so much money to to win, you know, at the, the FA Cup. Um, and where are they now? So, 
I think you do have to, you know, maybe just focus on the league when you're in position. And I think it's really for a team sort of sixth to tenth to to be the ones to try and challenge the big boys to to win it because they're relatively safe. It will be quite interesting to see if it's our strong team that we name for the replay one. We'll be favourites, I assume, given our home form. Um, despite it being quite a poor game, Natalie, positives, a clean sheet, always welcome, especially away from home, and showing that we can get results at teams that are going to be competing with us. Towards the, the bottom of the table, we've got a lot of these away games coming up, as we mentioned on the podcast before, and we're going to need to go to places like Sunderland and get results. So to prove that we can do that, that maybe shifts the, the mental issue that we seem to have away from home a little bit. Yeah, you would certainly hope so, wouldn't you? Um, it's not a loss. It wasn't, you know, it was a clean sheet. And like you say, there are huge positives to take from that result. I would have liked to have seen us win just for that extra um, psychological benefit. However, saying that, I don't think there can be much argument as to who dominated that game. And um, Burnley were clearly on top. And the only reason why we didn't win convincingly is just for some reason we struggled to get the ball in, in the net. Um, you know, when you watch the highlights, for example, it, the only highlight it shows of Sunderland's game was was the the penalty shout under four. So they were, you know, they, they weren't that good. And even in the cup with a relatively strong side, they should also be trying to beat Burnley at home. Just to prove that the game against us at Turf Moor was a blip and that they can beat us. I, I think the result of that game will swings the psychological advantage in Burnley's favour, not in Sunderland's. Um, we went to Sunderland and didn't lose. And, and, you know, whilst we need to pick up some points away from home, um, a point is, is still a decent result. On the flip side, Sunderland got absolutely hammered at Turf Moor and then failed to beat us on the, a weakened Burnley side, albeit not massively weakened, but they still failed to beat a weakened side at home. So despite it only being a draw, I think it's advantage Burnley, absolutely. Yeah, definitely advantage Burnley. I'm sure we'll talk about the replay in more detail on next week's podcast, which will be out before the replay, hopefully, all being well. Um, one of the big positives as well, Kevin, the return of Sir Joseph Barton to the Burnley midfield. I don't think anyone saw it coming when he left the club just six, seven months ago, but back in the midfield, looking like he's never been away. Yeah, I think I think we all expected Barton to come in um, and... Yeah, it is good to see him 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 getting some game time. Um, you, you you probably thought that he you you'd probably expect that he's probably going to be in the side side not when Defoe's in. Um, you, you'd probably expect they're not going to play together that much this season. That's what I I just suspected, particularly with um, Defoe's fitness problems. You might have thought that Barton might come in uh, for Defoe. You know, he might come in for the last half hour um, uh, when. Defoe inevitably comes off uh, comes off the field, um, yeah. But yeah, it's good to see him back in the side. Um, good to see him giving a good account of himself. I think he had a bit of uh, he showed a bit of passion as well. I think he went you know went over to fans at the end of the match for a chanting his name. He uh, patted his badge or something like that. So it's good to see. I think he's he's, he's obviously going to, always going to get a, a bit of a, a sharp reception, should we say, from the Sunderland fans. But I think he got a good reception from the from the Burnley fans. And I think it's quite nice for. Uh, it's a really good opportunity actually for him to come in at that cup game. Um, it's kind of it's all fallen quite nicely actually when it comes to all that because yeah, the pressure was off, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So you know, he, he was always going to be um, kind of it's it's he's had a few friendly games with uh, with uh, under under twenty threes, uh, and then he's kind of come in on a friendly game. So it's nice soft introduction back to uh, back to the team. 
Um, and yeah, like I say, it takes that pressure off a little bit. So yeah, it's fantastic to see, and hopefully he can um, play, play a big part this season. I know that he's been granted an extension to respond to the FA on those um, on those charges, which takes it to the middle of February or something. Um, so maybe he can get a couple of games in before he gets um, get, before he gets a six month ban. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know what to make of the ba- of the appeal thing or the hearing, whatever it is. I'd have thought we'd rather have got it underway and all sorted as soon as possible. But I suppose that if Barton needs time to to make a, a better defence, maybe it's better to put it on the back burner for a little while. But it's not going to make sure that he's not punished. We saw with Andrea Gray did the same thing, didn't he, and ended up getting a four game ban. Um, James Kevin mentioned before there. I was quite surprised he was in the team, but completed his first ninety minutes, which is a, a really important step for a player who we seem to talk about his fitness and injury issues constantly on the podcast. I, I wish I had like a party popper or something now <laughs> to set off in front of the mic just to celebrate the momentous occasion. Uh, yeah, it was it was a bit of a surprise to see him see him start. I, I thought Aidan O'Neill might have got a run out, but. Um, I think it's good to see him get 90 minutes under his belt. I guess there's a there's a decent gap between games with the you know obviously the third round of the FA Cup being on the Saturday and then you've got the full week. So maybe it was just a way of getting him you know more involved in what ended up being a more of a low intensity game than than your your normal league game. But it, it also could be that it wasn't intentional and obviously injuries forced Dash's hand. So. Maybe he felt when he was looking at players to rest, it was more key to to rest Gray than rest before. I was disappointed that Aidan O'Neill wasn't in the squad. Really, I think it would have been a really good opportunity to get him a bit of a bit more game time against Premier League opposition. In the end, you know, he probably might not have played with injuries forcing Dyche's substitutions and also of a game hanging in the balance. But you can imagine if we'd been, if the game had been quite comfortable, um, you know, later in the second half, it would have been a really good opportunity to give Aidan O'Neill uh, a bit more, you know, game time against a Premier League opposition without the, the pressure of, uh, of, a, of a Premier League game. But um, it, it didn't happen. So I was, I was disappointed by that. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a funny one, O'Neill. We saw quite a bit of him earlier in the season and he's, Forward off the radar a little bit, um, but I, I suspect he was only playing earlier because there was not really anyone else. Um, although he did quite well, um, I just think it was more a, a lack of alternatives as much as in being a an outstanding prospect. Um, going down low might be the best thing for for Aidan O'Neill in the short term. Um, changes at the back, Natalie. Despite the the clean sheet, Tom Heaton had the day off. Nick Pope didn't have a lot to do, but. James Sarkovsky seems to take the opportunity. I was a bit surprised that he played with Keane when everyone seems to think that he's going to be Keane's successor, but did a good job and maybe gives Dash something to think about a little bit with Bedmi having made a couple of mistakes recently despite overall being good this season. Yeah, um, I'm a huge fan of Tarkovsky. I think he's a great talent and he's he's also one of those players that's, that's been quite unlucky really. I suspect he was probably brought in to partner Keane and unfortunately, um, a bit like the Trippier-Walker situation, he's, he's come in and me suddenly found the form of his life and he's not been able to muscle his way into the first team. But every single time he's played for us, he's put in a real... And even actually when he's had to cover in midfield, he's put in a really good performance and a really solid um, game. And I'm, I'm a huge huge fan um, I agree with you I fully expected it to be um, me he played alongside just because like you say we're, we are expecting to lose Keane at the end of the season um, but why not you know if you if you are if you are 
teeing uh, Tarkovsky up to be Keane's replacement, then it kind of makes sense to put him in the same team as him for, for 90 minutes so he can learn from him and they can pick up a few tips and, you know, maybe learn the game together and, and Tarkovsky can watch Keane play and, and, you know, try and model him. Um, but yeah, it was. I mean, it was a good performance. I, I thought Pope did all right, actually. I thought, like you say, he didn't have an awful lot to do, but he certainly didn't. It still looked sharp when he was called upon, and you know, he still managed to stay in the game. So I, on the whole, I was I was relatively pleased. Yeah, I think uh, Sarkovsky's been a big plus point. It's really difficult, I think, for players when you know you're not going to play unless there's injuries or suspensions. Really, and Tarkovsky's had to fill in in a couple of different positions, like you say. It's been five minutes off the bench sometimes or coming on just for injury times, I'll see a game out. But yeah, he always seems completely committed and always seems to do something that impresses people. So uh, Dash's obviously got a lot of trust in him. It's just a, a case that there's not, not a place for him in the team at the moment, which is unfortunate from his point of view. But I think everyone expects Tarkovsky to be uh, a member of the team next season, Kevin, just because Michael King's surely not going to be a Burnley player for too much longer even if we can stay up is that fair to say yeah i mean you in, in a way you almost uh you almost hope that um in, in a weird way that there's going to be a lot of lot of um competition for Keane in the summer because it means he's, he's done something right for us for us and yeah obviously he's got i mean i think he's probably got ambitions of of being a a, a big premier league player and i think he's absolutely got that in him he's, he's improving uh, at a phenomenal rate as well. You look at the difference from when we were Premier League last time when he was on loan, and I think I think he was a permanent player of the second half, and he was struggling to get him a team behind Michael Duff, um, who always better to Duff, who was a very fantastic servant for us. He was uh, certainly not anything like the, the player that Michael Keane is now, and uh, last season he improved uh, so much, and, he, and this season you can see him, he's, he's still improving over time, he's a fantastic um, talent, and I think I read something um, about his time at Manchester United uh, recently, and about how when he was a, a, a younger player there, he was, he was almost written off by the by Man United's youth team uh, coaches, and he you know he quit he quit school got a private tutor and really forced the club to take him on as a more kind of full time full time young pro and really shows you know his determination to be a, a top class player and his, his ambition. So yeah, you, I'd be surprised if he's a Burnley player next season, Michael Keane. But that, like I say, it's not obviously it's, it's never great to lose a player of his quality, but. We know we've got a player in the reserves waiting to come in who's got quality. Everything we've seen of Tarkovsky has been very good. My only concern is I really hope that we can... I suppose it's a forget my balance, really, because we've been playing Tarkovsky in quite a few different positions. He's been playing in midfield quite a lot this season. And you, you just run the risk of um, kind of him losing that defensive speciality because if he's going to be playing in midfield, you going to assume he's been, he might be having slightly different coaching um, to improve different parts of his game. Whereas if he's playing as a full-time defender, he can really focus on that side of his game. Um, so you've got to get that balance right between giving him that football that he's going to want. You know, if he's just not playing any any game time at all season, he's going to not. He's going to become unhappy, but. I, I just hope that he doesn't end up being one of those players who ends up playing in so many different positions, but real, not not able to really focus down and be a specialist at one. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, he is a defender. It's just we, we've used him in other roles. I think it's it's not that long ago since he did a Q&A when someone asked him about playing midfield. He said he, he basically never done it before. Um, but I think it's, it's a plus point having players that can play different positions. I'm sure when he's 
when he plays at the back regularly for us, which, like I say, I expect to be next season, I, I don't think it's going to be too much of a problem. I don't think you forget how to be a defender just because you've played in, in midfield a bit. But, yeah, it's it's less than ideal, I think, for Tarkovsky at the moment. But he doesn't strike me as the sort of person he's going to kick off. He'll understand that it's it's very much temporary at the moment. At uh, the other end of the pitch, though, James, another game away from home without a goal for Andre Gray. He hasn't scored yet away from home this season. Sam Volks didn't have the best game. Ashley Barnes missed a good chance. Is there, is there a sense at the moment that if Gray doesn't score, Burnley don't score, having shared the goals out so well earlier in the season? Well, maybe. I mean, obviously, over the, the festive period, it was uh, very much the Andre Gray show. And um, I think that, that Barnes chance is one that you can look back on. I think, you know, if it had fallen to Gray, you'd ex- definitely expect Gray to take it. And it could be one that maybe knocks Barnes' confidence a little bit as well and, and could impact him going forward. I thought Volks, from, you know, what I've seen in the game, it was a, it was a dire one anyway, but he, he didn't really seem, seem in, in the game, to be honest. And, uh, you know, the most involved he seemed to get is being offside for the you know the, the chance that ultimately Cartley would have put away, um, it's just it's a bit of a weird one because I think Volks he, he fits a certain style, doesn't he? And uh, you know you look at the goals he's he scored this season, and uh, a lot of them have been been reasonably out of character for him. I think they've not really been Sam Volks goals, um, and when he has been on, I, I don't feel we were aiming for him enough with the uh, the crosses and. You know, ultimately, his strength is in the air, and uh, I think when he's on the field, I'd like to see us try and exploit that a little bit more. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a, a bit of a lack of crossing quality in the squad, to be honest. I don't think, apart from maybe Good Munson and four from set pieces, I don't think we've really got quality deliverers in the squad, and that's probably something that we've lacked since since Trippier left, really. Yeah, every now and then you you get something decent from Ward and from from Lawton, but they've not got the consistency that you have with yeah. uh, you know a player like Trippier. And as a result, you know there's chances where they put their best crosses in and no one's on the end of it. And then there's times when there's people in perfect position to be on the end of it, and the cross is rank and you know deep to the other corner flag. Yeah, uh, well, I think we've probably exhausted as much as we can from from Sunderland nil. Birmingham. We've done well to get 20 minutes or so out of that. <laughs> but let's move on to the next bit of the podcast. Everyone's favourite bit. Over to Natalie for Tweet of the Week. 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 Indeed. Special FA Cup indeed. Did it sound different? No, it didn't sound different at all. Oh, well, never mind. (laughs) This week's tweet of the week comes from our long-term listener, Anna. We all have a bit of a a girl crush on this girl. It's Sarah, whose Twitter handle is Schwitz. And she sent a very tongue-in-cheek tweet, which made me laugh quite a lot, and just summed up pretty much how we felt about the Sunderland game. And her tweet was, at least we didn't lose away. So very much agree with you, Sarah. Well done, that one, our Tweet of the Week. It was only nil-nil. At least it was only nil-nil. I know, at least we didn't concede one goal. <laughs> it's getting better. It is getting better. Slowly but surely, it is getting better. Um, moving on then to talk about the weekend's games, Southampton the visitors to the turf. They've been quite up and down this season, James, and we've got problems at the back this at, at the moment with uh, Virgil van Dijk linked with a move away, the captain... 
Jose Fonts has put in a transfer request. Uh, so it's not really clear he's going to be playing in defence for them. And they've got problems up front as well with Charlie Austin out injured. Jay Rodriguez not really firing. So this has got to be another opportunity for yes, another home win. Yeah, I think Southampton have been quite a strange team so far this season. Um, you know, you look at the players they've got, and particularly up front, I think they almost uh, suffer from maybe having too too much choice of ways to play. And obviously, with Austin being out, who's um, you know a classic goal scorer who can sort of you know as long as you, you get the ball around the box, and if it falls to him, he's probably going to score. Whereas the the players they've got, I think otherwise. So Jay, I think needs a certain style to play too, and others also need a different style. And I think as a result, they kind of don't really bed in and start working together as a team. But um, I think obviously it's a great opportunity. It's a, a good time to play them. Um, our home record is fantastic so far, so hopefully it should be another three points. I think. Tricky one in terms of team selection for, for Dash, this one, Kevin. He's got the extra option with Joey Barton now. And uh has worked pretty well in recent games. He seems to have gone back to the four four two and ditched the, the four five one. A little bit Barnes and Gray seems a, a decent combination, but the midfield do we have the midfield options for a four four two? What do you think the the strongest pair is out of the four that we've got? Marnie, DeFore Hendrick and Barton now? Um, obviously, I, I'd love to see I'd love to see Defoe playing. I think he, you know, we've been saying this all season, but we want to see him play more football. Be interested to see what happens there. He's played. Um, he played ninety minutes against Sunderland. Uh, don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It might be showing to Dyche. He might have shown to Dyche that he's improving his fitness. He can do that, and Dyche might be happy with that. He's played well um, the other week as well. Or it might be that Dyche thinks, okay, he's played about ninety minutes, so I, I don't want to give him too much football with his fitness or whatever it is. Um, so I'll drop him down again. Or it might just be that we, we've, we've got doubts over whether Sean Dyche really fancies Defoe in a 4-4-2. So I think that'll be, I think that's the big call for Dyche. It'll be really, really interesting to see what he does. I'd love to see, um, I'd love to see Defoe come in, um, play alongside Hen- Hendricks. Hendricks available again now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I think um, we're assuming that all four are going to be available, which is useful because might not have any wingers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, it, it's it's difficult to predict what Sean Dice is going to do with his formation these days, which I'm still I'm still struggling to get to grasp to grips with. It's just it doesn't it's, it just doesn't seem right. But um, I'd expect him. I I would expect him to go with a four four two again. Um, it's been working reasonably well uh, of late, and I can't really see any reason why he'd want to change that unless it's forced or if he wants to. Um, fit in um, three of his, his star midfielders. Um, so yeah, I think, I think I, I, my preference would be would be yeah, to see Defoe play alongside Hendrick, but I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him um, start on the bench and see Marnie come in uh, alongside him. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I've got no idea what Dash is going to do. I mean, I think um, having such strength now in midfield which is another bizarre thing to say about Dyches Burnley that we've got four very competent central midfielders now uh, you kind of feel like we should play as many of them as possible but we know that Andre Gray is not really suited to playing up front on his own and you can't leave Gray out because he's been scoring so many goals recently um, 
and with uh, the problems out wide as well, Natalie, it does leave Dyche in a, a bit of a quandary for this one, if if we're to assume that Arfield and Goodmonds are not going to make it. Yeah, it's a, it is a real tricky one, isn't it? It's, um, I've, oof, I don't know what he's going to do. Could he go 4-3-3, maybe? Play? I suppose he'd have to. If he hasn't got any wingers, what else is he going to do? Well, we're saying he hasn't got Messi any wingers. He does have George Boyd. <laughs> I expect George True. Boyd to be yeah. in the team. It's just a case of... Uh, uh, he has Michael Kiteley. Who? Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> who? Who? Who that? Kiteley bingo. <laughs> I, I, think that's, I think that's an interesting point, though. And I, I thought for oh, a while... <laughs> No, he's right. Go on, James. I know what you're going to say. Go ahead. Maybe four three three could be could be a good idea. You know, you could play uh, Volks in the middle and, and Gray and Barnes just either side of him, and that could could bring you a bit of success with Hendrik, Marnie, and Defoe behind him or Barnes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've um, I've argued for four three three. I've argued for four three three quite a bit this season. Though. Yeah, you have. Uh, you have... Barnes is uh, not Barnes. I don't think Volks is playing well enough to. To start at the minute, to be honest, I'd be keeping him, and I think he's uh, he's quite well suited to being on the bench. Whereas the other... Barnes comes on, makes a nuisance for himself. Gray comes on and like does his best, but Volk seems to actually have an impact when he comes on. So I'd uh, probably stick with those two. But I think Boyd can play further up. What's I'd be quite happy I was going to say that actually. Yeah, you could play Boyd in that three. Boyd could play in the hole, couldn't he? I think that's, that's yeah. Important. I think you could play Boyd or you know Kiteway or. Even Goodmanson, when he's fit, I think in that advanced role. Um, but obviously, the, I think the reason that Dash doesn't use it is that he likes his players to to track back. And um... yeah, but Boyd can do that. So on, when we talk, if we're talking specifically on Saturday's game, that's actually not a bad option to put Boyd in a, in a three up top because he yeah, that's Boyd, one thing he can Boyd do can. is track back. Yeah. Boyd can. I'm not. I'm not sure if the other two could because it's, it's no. Lot, but then you wouldn't expect to them to. It's a lot to ask for a winger to get from basically edge of their box, back to their own box, and then back again. Yeah, I mean, if anyone can do it, George Boyd probably can. Boyd can but, run. Yeah, the, he can run. I think the, the point... Can't really dribble, but... <laughs> or do anything else. <laughs> I think the, the point of playing Boyd further up the pitch would be that he wouldn't have to do all that running, and then we might get more from him uh, creatively, maybe some goal threat, something in the final third he, he, that we just don't really get. He must be the most frustrating player that... Birmingham have had in years to watch, yeah. Because, but Dash must love him because, like, because you know, there's you know, there's really. more to him than running. But all we ever get really is the running. Every now and then, he scores <laughs> a great goal. Do you know what I you think? Just one know of the, what could be. Do you know what I think? One of the major problems is with with um, with George Boyd. This is he's not he's, Michael Kiley. No, no. <laughs> I, I've said this before, and I think I do genuinely think it. You know, everybody. He's been branded to us as being a striker. He's still on the website as a striker. You know, he's, he's people. So people get criticized. Sorry, people criticize him because he's not creating chances. He's not running at defenders, and he's not making a nuisance of himself up front. But he's actually his defensive work is actually really, really good. If you watch him in a game when he does track back and he does um, draw defenders away and he does sort of try and get the ball back in those defensive areas, he does. He actually does a really good job of that. But because Put that's not perceived. Then. I know, but that you, you can't. You can't. But because it's perceived to be a, a winger or is a or is a makeshift striker, yeah, yeah. yeah, he's he's. It's like there's an assumption that he's failed every single game, and it's that half half empty, half full um, analysis. People say he's had a poor game because he spent all of it in defence, whereas actually he's, he's very good at that. Yeah, um, I get annoyed more with Dash's use of Boyd 
than Boyd himself. Boyd's just like the lightning rod for my frustration. <laughs> he's just doing what Dash asked him to, which is charge up and down the wing all day and like help his fullback out. He's, yeah, he, he doesn't say go out and the like, say that he covers the miles. Yeah, and exactly. He's, he's doing what the manager wants. Um, in terms of other stuff to look out for from the Southampton game, they are in really poor form actually. They lost the last three league games and they failed to beat Norwich away in the FA Cup. Um, at the weekend, so they've got a replay as well, which might come into Claude Puel's thinking when he picks his team that he's going to have another game in two or three days so that's something else to keep in mind um, but as we've touched on Kevin Southampton at home, they're only a point above us in the table, these are the sorts of games that now we expect to win really Yeah and actually you, know, you, you go into you're in a weird situation now where you, you go into we go into all home games really Expecting, expecting a win, um, even when the when the big boys come along, you know. But we're we're hopeful of getting a good result. We might not have that quite expectation, but we're quite. I think we, you know we're quite confident. You even look at look at all the, the big teams we've played. Even when we got beat by Arsenal and, and City, you, you you look at that and think we we probably could or maybe should have got more out of us. So yeah, when you, when some of the the not um, ex outstanding teams come out like last like Southampton, the very good teams. Um, on, on paper, you'd say we're a better team than us, but when you're playing a turf more, you absolutely expect a win. Um, that's not to say we'd be massively disappointed with a draw. Um, it's, it'd still be a, a good result against a good team. But yeah, we, I think every fan going into turf more, um, in the home end at least, um, is going to be going in there expecting a win and and that's what we'll be going for yeah i mean looking at the the fixtures we've got coming up i think it's important to keep this home form momentum going for a little while because we've got that horrible run of away games coming up in the spring and after after leicester come at the end of the month we've got chelsea and spurs at home so two games where we might not be expected to get anything despite being really strong at home so we talked about middlesbrough and Sunderland being must-win games I'm not going to say Southampton and Leicester are, but we need to be getting points on the board at these because we are going to have a difficult run um, in the spring. Before we move on and do predictions then, and our brand new spanking shiny predictions league that we're going to launch on this week's podcast after we forgot to do it last time. (laughs) We do only have a few days left on our Kickstarter and because I talk about it every week. I'm going to ask Kevin to fill you in, please, about the Kickstarter. Why should people pledge? What's up for grabs? Tell us what it's all about. The last time we're going to bore people about the Kickstarter, on the podcast at least. First of all, just thank you to to everyone who supported us. I think I was, look, I was looking at the page now, and as, as, as of the time we're recording this now, we've had 56 people back us, which is just phenomenal. Um, we originally wanted to get £100 to cover our costs, uh, for the next few months, and um, we're now at seven hundred and forty-four pounds, which is just which is fantastic. It's really it's really humbling, and thank you so much to everyone who supported us. Um, but the more the more we get, the more we can do. So so far, we, we've been able to fund uh, the podcast for twenty four seventeen season. We're going to be able to launch a, a new and improved website, a bit more interactive, a bit easier to use. Going to be able to do um, earlier podcasts. So you can get re- reaction a bit um, sooner after the game because there's special episodes exploring a topic in depth. A live ep- uh, a live podcast. And we're going to interview um, a Burnley a Burnley legend. Um, for what our last goal is at one thousand pounds. If we can do that, we'll be able to partner with a local charity. Um, that means they'll they'll get sponsorship of a podcast for the rest of the season, uh, the rest of the year, and. 
yeah, but we'll be, that's fantastic exposure for a, for a local charity. And if we can get, so as I'm saying, this we're currently at seven hundred and forty-four pounds. Um, so it, it, to get up to a thousand is really it's really very achievable uh, with your help. So there's less than a week to go now. So if you can, uh, the link is in the is in the show notes. And and yeah, please support please support us because we we really do um, we really do appreciate. It. And uh, there's lots of things you can get if you. The more you pledge, uh, you've got lots of rewards and offers as well, like we're saying thanks for the podcast. Um, so we've got stickers. You can be on the podcast introducing it. You can have your own little feature all the way up to a special match day experience. So, um, yeah, uh, apparently Jim, Jim has just said this is like an Oscar speech. So I'm going to wrap it up now. It is I'm not going to have It is the season. Yeah. Uh, the one thing Kev forgot to mention is that we do have a prize as well for everyone who has pledged will be in the hat to win a copy of Joey Barton's book. No nonsense. Um, so yeah, if you haven't pledged yet, you've still got a few days to do so. If you've been putting it off, don't put it off any longer because you're going to run out of time. And if we get to a thousand pounds, that would be amazing. But thanks to everyone who's donated so far. But now predictions, Natalie. There's going to be a league, a predictions league on the podcast. Yeah. Is there's going to be a we're league? We're all fully prepared for it, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> we are kind of seventy-five percent prepared for it. So, so cool. one of our listeners um, suggested that one of our listeners, <laughs> one of our listeners su- suggested. Technically, is one of our listeners. Um, he suggested that. Uh, well, I actually made the comment that we don't ever follow up on our predictions the week after. So, if somebody's got it spectacularly wrong, and if somebody's got it um, spot on, we don't ever acknowledge that. And I think a lot of that is that sometimes not all of our predictions can be that serious. Um, so, <laughs> they came up with. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. They came up with the I don't know idea. What you're about. I genuinely think <laughs> an Andre Gray hat trick is going to happen every week. You genuinely believe it as well, Bird, don't you? Um, 50p on <laughs> so the feature that was suggested to us was um, a little mini league where each week we would reflect on the predictions from last week. And the scoring is very simple for every panel member who uh, makes a prediction. If you get the result right, you score one point. Um, but if you get the score right as well, you get three points. And at the end of the season, we will have um, a winner. So um, this is something that um, Kevin's going to be taking forward now. This is going to be his new feature on the podcast. We had um, a little review of the um, predictions in the first half of the season. Um, I think I'd got six games in and nobody had got a point yet. So <laughs> I don't think it worked that well. <laughs> Saying that, my sudden uh, reverse psychology, absolutely killing it. And I was miles ahead of you all. So uh, so I think we're going to wipe the slate clean and we're going to start from this week. These are our first week of our predictions. Can I can I have a jingle? Because you've got your tweet of a week jingle. I want one. If any of our listeners out there can create Kevin um, a little jingle for um, jingle. his predictions league, we would be very grateful and we'll give you a good yeah, shout please out. Please do uh, send that in if you'd like to. The email address is podcast at nonanever.net. As always, you can tweet us at nonanever.net as well. But we will end the show on predictions. James, we'll start with you. Burnley v Southampton at Turf Moor. And there's a lot at stake now, so you know, take be, it seriously. <laughs> really want to be serious, but at the same time, I also immediately want to say 3 0 after a great hat trick. Well, um, yeah, it could happen. <laughs> Is there a bonus point if we know if we under a hat trick actually happens? No, no bonus points. What's the point scoring again? Sorry, one point for the yeah. result, three points for the correct score. See, because I, I want to be ambitious and be able to go big, but at the same time, you're rewarded, aren't you, by keeping it tight? More chance it happening. More points. 
You can uh, hear the cogs turning in his, in his head. He's re- you're really, you're really putting consideration into I know. it. This is like last week. So we get into the stage that there's a there's like a revision session at the end of every single podcast at the moment. <laughs> no, I've got it. I've got really it. task. Probably caution to the wind. Three, two, Andre Gray Hattrick. Natalie, you can go next. I Don't tell very... everyone you turn down on boot. God, I'm not going to. <laughs> Shut up. Um, no, <laughs> I. But I am going to maintain my positive outlook at home. So I am going to go to my new revised turnstile, which is working very well for us at home. Um, I don't think we'll have a better chance than this to beat Southampton at home, and I think it's going to be a two. Mm, 2-1 two, 2-1 two, 2-1 two, win to Burnley 2-1 3-1 2-1 2-1 2-1 2-1 2-1 2-1 2-1 2-1 2-1 2-1 2-1 2-1 2-1 2-1 2-1 2-1 2-1 2-1 2-1 2-1 2-1 2-1
Why have I done that twice in one day? What's wrong <laughs> with me? I really imagine you chatting away to yourself, aren't I? Making such great <laughs> yeah. points. This is going so insightful. Well. Really insightful. Great point, Kev. I, I do this at work all the time as well. I'll be having meetings at work and then so I really, why is no one listening to me? Why is no one? I mean, I realize I'm muted. So I just think... everyone, everyone just thinks you spend all day asleep, clearly now. <laughs> Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.